Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm still Ned Bolting. I'm still Adam Tranter. And I think I'm still Laura Laker. <laughs> well, we'll come to that, Laura, because uh, this time Adam and I have been out in the actual world at the uh, the Lee Valley Velo Park, to be precise. But Laura, you had to stay at home yeah. uh, because uh, you've been incredibly naughty and uh, you have been grounded by the so-called <laughs> pandemic, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't been anywhere, so yeah. Well, you actually, you've been the opposite of naughty. You've been extremely diligent yeah. and responsible. How long have you been uh, locked up for? Well, I haven't left home for a week now. I've got one more day after today, so yeah. Oof. I know. Was that, was, that, was that a close contact or have yeah, you yourself tested I thought tested it was, because um, you know? I'm, tr- I'm doing this, um, yeah, yeah, it just, it just gives you like a notification on the phone. Uh, and it says you have to isolate for eight days, my first one. And then I realized a couple of days ago that you can go in and see the date when the contact happened, but you don't know who it was, obviously, because they don't take yep. personal data. But yeah, it's just a Bluetooth thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. And you missed out. You missed out on the reunion. I know. We, we were, me and Ned were real life friends, and we, we missed you. That. Yeah. Sorry about that, Laura, but we had a good day out. You'll be really pleased to. <laughs> You'll be, you'll be really pleased. Beautiful morning, and I rode over to the um, to uh, the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, which is quite near your manor, isn't it, Laura? Very, You're out that way somewhere, aren't you? Yeah, it's very, very near. Yeah, it's about um, ten minute ride away. Yeah, yeah. May I just say, hats off to the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. It's just incredible, isn't it? It's I amazing. Think I said that in the. Uh, I think I, I also go on to say that in, in what you're you're about to hear. Yeah, I thought it was really uh, really cyclable. Really, really, you know, like a lot of um, a lot of places in London have not had the benefit of being able to build the way you want it to be. And, uh, you know, I don't live in London. I haven't lived in London for a while. But if I had to live in London, I sort of found that area really quite nice. Lots of stuff to do with kids and, you know, keep your family entertained and all of that stuff. Great now, place. Here's, here's a thing I've subsequently learned, actually, just yesterday. And it may not be true, but I think it is true. Do you guys both know Jack Thurston? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, who used to do the, his um, radio show on the... What was it called? The Lost Lanes Jack. Yeah, Lost Lanes. He are. So Jack Thurston has produced a series of absolutely beautiful books about uh, called Lost Lanes. And yeah. there must be half a dozen of them now. There's a kind of Wales one and a Southeast one. And I think there's a Yorkshire Dales one, etc. Southwest, yeah. Southwest as well. And he goes off on his kind of touring bike and he just discovers all these all these literally kind of little B roads and backwaters that are traffic free and lovely places to ride. And he lists them all and and they're beautifully produced books. Actually, I really recommend them. Jack also, when he lived in London, used to have a radio show that was um, about the bicycle. Yeah. I mean, it was some, it was on that, I can't remember which platform it was on anyway, but uh, I remember I guested on that a couple of times. He's a lovely chap, but I discovered yesterday that his partner, whose name I don't know, 
they have a family together. She has been responsible for all the amazing kind of wild flower and wild meadow plantings and the landscaping in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Ah, really? There we go. Which are, which are spectacular, I have to say. Really, yeah. Thank you to her. Yeah. But it wasn't really for botanical reasons that we were there so much <laughs> as... Uh, as cargo bikes, which are pretty flipping cool things, aren't they? Uh, Laura, you missed out on, well, as you're about to hear, we, we, we got a chance to ride one. But have yeah. you ever actually ridden a car? Do you own a cargo bike? I don't have one. I've borrowed a friend's cargo bike. It's a three-wheeler. It doesn't have uh, electric assist. But I think you talk about this in, in your chat, actually, about mm. the weird thing that happens when you ride a three-wheeler and you turn the <laughs> handlebars one way and then your body goes the other way. And it's it's like it's quite strange. I managed to get mine up on, or my friends up on two wheels around a corner that was quite good yeah you have to be careful yeah. how you corner them it's quite fun i think that's the only one i've ridden actually so they are they are we're on the cusp of a big boom yeah. in the uk it feels um in certainly in urban settings um they're very visible aren't they in a way that they weren't yeah. um, so much a year uh, or two years ago and yet adam that the numbers are are astonishingly low when you compare them to other european neighbors aren't they so you know i think correct if i'm wrong but there's something like two thousand sold yeah, it's about that. There's there's actually not that much data on it, which is which is the start of you know, which highlights that it is uh, kind of in its infancy. Mm. Um, but we but we reckon uh, about two thousand e cargo bikes uh, sold bikes, in the yeah. in the in the last year, and that compares to around a hundred thousand in Germany and around fifty thousand in France. So wow, we are behind the curve, but hopefully going on that on that curve. All right. Well, listen. There's plenty to discuss. Um, let's let's first of all, though, let's just hear our, our little our little day out, Adam. Well, this is uh, rather nice, isn't it? Adam? Yeah. It's been a while since I've been in the shade of the the London Velodrome or whatever it's called. Not the allowed Pringle. to call it. Not allowed to call it the London Velodrome. We have to call it the Lee Valley Velo Park, Park. thing. I remember when I was commentating and presenting at the London Six Day. Uh, series, which is probably the last time I was inside that building yeah. um, before it all got COVIDed out. Every time you referred to the London Velodrome, you got your wrist slapped by the because it's, <laughs> it's not the London Velodrome. Yeah. So, it's, but it's a while since I. Every time you say it, a marketing manager cries. And that, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I'm here at your invitation. Yeah. And I've had a n- nice morning. Thank you very much. You, what, what, you better explain what what it is we're doing and why. Well, well. this is this is a glimpse into my real job and we are at a cargo bike event hosted by rally yep and i thought who would want to come and have a go on a cargo bike me and that was ned <laughs> um and you were talking about it like you know you've never never had a go yeah and i thought you'd um uh, you'd enjoy it so we're sort of sat here you've had a go we'll see to sort of ask you what you think about it but worth mentioning also it's just loads of good stuff going on here really with the with the um bike works uh stuff behind us which i think laura in our previous cargo bike episode interviews someone from bike works and basically it's cycling for all so there's there's all sorts of wonderful it's adapted cycles incredible here. stuff it's great cycles i've never seen before that I and didn't a know queue existed. of people Isn't a it queue great? of people wanting to have you know wanting to get out on the bikes and actually experience kind of going around that going around the queen elizabeth olympic park which i have to say this is a slight tangent adam but um yeah. You know, the Tokyo Olympics are about to start um, and I, I've never been more pleased not to be involved yep. in a broadcast because I think they're on all sorts of levels thoroughly irresponsible and yes. unwanted by the Japanese public. And I've tr- I've been around the world sort of quite a bit in my career and visited the remains and the tatters of Olympic parks of years gone by. Sydney is a wasteland Barcelona's a bit crumbly. Athens might as well not have happened. Montreal, they've only just finished paying the debt off, you know, from 1976. And of all the of all the sort of inflated super ego events that the Olympics are, yeah. probably London has come out of it the best. I mean, this park is pretty fabulous, really, isn't it? It's great. It is really, it's really good. And the fact that they've had a blank canvas to build it, you know, it's cycling here is actually quite pleasurable so it's you not know? just the bike works people and you've set up here and we'll come to talk about that in a second but just generally it's just loads of people cycling just loads of people cycling and enjoying and, the sunshine and it's the, fantastic the environment changes the way people cycle so I've seen loads of um, families with, um, with with kiddie seats on the back and you just don't really see that in in a lot of places that are kind of more hostile so yeah this is really uh, I mean build it and, and build an environment and it's very low traffic actually it is a 
it's a sort of low traffic na- neighbourhood, but without the yeah. without the shouting. And the kind of speedy cyclists as well, who who would on the road be kind well, of. Well, they've like got quite a velodrome. They can go in there. Well, they've got the, yeah, but even when they when they when you see them kind of like on these shared use pathways yes. that crisscross all throughout the park, yeah, even they kind of ease off a bit, and it's very respectful yeah. and kind of like um, yeah. just a great environment, just yes. a great environment and a lovely sunny day for it. But anyway, so going back to cargo bikes, mm. we've had some inspirational talks, haven't we, from from the. Um, brand manager or yeah. whatever and our mate will norman's here isn't he? and will norman so, yeah. yeah about kind of the um the explosion in their use and yeah the evidence of my eyes suggest that's true yeah have you got any facts and figures to well have? yeah facts are quite thin on the ground in in um in, in the british market but i'm told that in germany there are a hundred thousand cargo bikes sold each year yeah most of those e-cargo bikes wow Seventy-eight thousand, i think in in france uh, again, quite. Um, uh, we're going to be majority going to be e-cargo bikes because that's where the market is. And in the UK, we're at about two thousand bikes being sold last year. So e-cargo bikes. So we are tiny. literally just scratching the surface. We'd, you'd hope. Mm. And and you know, I'm more aware of it now. But like companies like Pedal Me, you know, they seem to be everywhere yeah. basically now. And and I was cycling down Blackfriars Bridge the other day. I saw two people in full DHL liveried cargo bikes. I yeah. saw a guy, FedEx cargo bikes. Um, you see here you've got um, the, the Jones Dairy. They've been a dairy for 130 years in London. They actually started with cargo bikes while walking, uh, cargo bikes, milk floats, diesel vans, and now they've gone Go back, back to, to their cargo ba- bikes. Back to their origins. So, yeah, yeah, there's loads of opportunity, I think. So... The MD was it of, of Jones Brothers gave a little speech. Yeah, uh, I've forgotten his name. Is it Steve? I don't know. Uh, anyway, whatever. Henry, I Henry? think. <laughs> Maybe. I just made up Steve. <laughs> anyway, he made a really interesting point. He was saying, so they deliver food products, don't they, to yes. to the city of London? And he made a really interesting point that answered one of the questions I was going to raise. You know, because the capacity is not as big as a van, clearly. Sure. So I think I'm looking at a bike there that, if I was listening correctly, stores a hundred kilograms of stuff. Mm. And a bunch of liters. I couldn't remember how many liters. Yeah. Five hundred liters or something. But a hundred kilograms was kind of what stuck in my mind. And so, a van obviously carries a lot more than that. So, in order to make these deliveries throughout the day and actually shift a large amount of stuff, you're going to have to go back, pick up, go back, pick up, deliver, go back, pick up, deliver. So, how is that going to work? And he was saying the city themselves are going to institute these hubs around, presumably around the perimeter of the square yeah. mile, consolidation centres, which is a smart solution, isn't it? So, so. They would then they would then house the bulk of the product, and then the journey time between these hubs and the actual delivery point is actually quite quite small and best done by a bike. Yeah, I mean, this is the they mainly operate in the city of London, and the city of London have got you know at the moment they're kind of makeshift car parks. What well, you know, the city of London has quite a lot of car parks. You know, if you think about like the Barbican and places around there, they've got these sort of out of use car parks really yeah. and um they're starting to build mini cons- consolidation centers and hubs oh, in car parks in yeah old car parks. yeah so that, that they can um that's amazing they can uh, and it makes it makes total sense and the challenge is i think and this is what the guys in pedal me say is not to it's very easy with your eyes to look at a van and then look at the bike and then look at the van and go well the van's bigger yeah but if you're thinking about efficiency actually you know you need to change the system so pedal me are able to do more drops than than a van would they can't carry as much but they can they can obviously travel more quickly they're more they're more agile they can park right outside all of these things but they just need to make sure that they're going back to this kind of hub model because you can't carry everything on a cargo bike but nor should you need to and most of the deliveries that we're seeing in central london well norman was just saying wasn't he is saying about you know most of it's transit vans basically it's people people on the gig economy just going around doing last mile literally last mile deliveries they have a patch within like 10 streets it's just that can't be the 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 best way to 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 do it yeah yeah and i think the point was also being made that that they're reskilling their staff right so so it's not like they've sacked off a whole load of van drivers and got in a bunch of cyclists to do their deliveries. It's the same people. They've yeah. just they've just adapted they've and really embraced it. More fitter now. They were saying <laughs> a yeah. little bit fitter, yeah. and presumably their That's working right. life is a bit more appealing. I would imagine. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I th- I think so. Um, I I think it's. Uh, oh, I'd love it. I'd love to do that as a yeah a job. So so despite all that, I mean, I was talking to the guys from Pedal Me there who were giving me my tuition before oh, yeah. I actually got on the track. And I think he said they've got 65 bikes, okay. which is a pretty small amount, given how visible they are. Yeah. 
And at any given time, probably only about 35 of them were actually out and about doing their thing. So the scope for growth is, like you say, it's just kind of barely begun, has it really? No, and it, yeah, it's it's inevitably going to be huge because you you look at the size of the uh, the size of the the amount of deliveries is growing. We all want stuff quicker, faster now, and and the bike is 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 really the best way of doing that. And also congestion's projected to increase as well. Yeah. So like the just two just aren't mutually compatible. So it's almost yeah. an inevitability. I, I hope at least we've got it in Cov actually in Coventry. We've got um, a little uh, startup called Hail Services, and and they they're doing last mile cargo deliveries and and the council want they want to do people as well they want yeah. to move people uh, like a taxi and the council don't know what to do with that so they've um they've got their their cyclists doing mini cab licensed licenses basically they're going to <laughs> private hire lessons to get a private hire license because they think that's the the way to do it but it doesn't sound like the way to do it for me no. you know but no. um so yeah, it's more moving very quickly, and it's moving more quickly than the the legislation is, I guess, and yeah. the infrastructure. Because you've got to think about where to park these things as as well. That's got to be a consideration. Yeah. So that was um another sort of question that I had that was answered when I was just having a chat with one of the guys from Pedal Me, just now. Is that is that the operators take their bikes home with them? I said, "Where are you going to put a bit on there? Big bits of kit, you know? No, nobody's yeah. got a house that big or kind of like a hallway that big, so they just park them on the street." And um, they've got uh, they've got a couple of locks, a front wheel lock and a rear wheel lock. But what they really have is they've got a built-in tracking device. Got it. And he said since since they've put those in all their bikes, they have not been nicked. Subsequently, they're not. They don't get nicked. And then my my other question is, what about the rain? Like you can't just leave them out in the street and yeah. um, get. And apparently they are. That's just not an issue because they okay. get so regularly serviced. Yeah. They get taken in, given a service. The batteries off, maybe. Absolutely, and they just, they, they're absolutely fine. They're kind of rain resistant. So you just, yeah. you park them on the street and you, you chain them to a lamppost. Yeah, also, um, if you think about the average, you know, not the professional bike thief, but the average, I mean, a pedal me bike is so distinctive and there yeah. are so few of them now that you'd be pretty dumb to steal one. Yeah. But can't put that past thieves, but the opportunistically. Well, look, cars get stolen as well, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, no, do. quite, quite. It does happen. <laughs> yeah. But opportunistically as well, like they're quite hard well, I don't know tell me do you find it hard to ride because like if you're if you're the average thief who just opportunistically run jumps on a cargo bike and pedals it away I'd say that's probably quite a hard bike to, to, to make a getaway on if you've never ridden one before yeah it takes a bit of adjustment um but it, that's all it is it's a bit of adjustment what was quite interesting was I tried two vehicles one that was that long wheelbase two-wheeler thing Yes. Um, which is the, the rally. They've got a new one out called Stride, haven't they? Yes, so, yeah, so Rally Stride. And that's like, a, that's like a normal bike, basically, with a box on the front. Yeah. A bit long, longer. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, every little movement that you do with the handlebars uh, through physics and maths, for some reason, don't ask me why, is exaggerated. So because your wheel is like half a mile in front of you, you know, and you can barely see it in the mist, right. your front wheel... You'd, for some reason you tweak to the right and the whole bike sort of like lurches to the yeah. right and, yeah. and so that just requires a bit of recalibrating uh, what it's all about and then and then really really kind of intu- like interesting combination of twisting down and up the gears with your right wrist okay. and with your left wrist um, flicking more, more or less power and uh. you kind of surf both those dynamics at the same time according to you know where you're at and like by the way the gear shifters are incredible because yeah. instead of having like and maybe this is standard on bikes nowadays. I don't know. I've just so long since I've ridden a new bike. But um, th- there's a hub gears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead of instead of having sort of like five, four, three, two, one as numbers, it's got this like diagram with a little. Like, have you seen it with a little bike? Oh, it's got like a flat little, to hill. It's like got like a hill yeah, that kind of like yeah. so you move it down and the hill flattens out <laughs> with a little cyclist on. So it kind of makes it That's very nice. clear. Like yeah. okay, so I'm going up a bit of a climb now. Let's scrunch the hill up a bit. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. just drops the gears yeah, down. Yeah, beautiful. Sort of. Did like, you um? Did you ride the the trike? Did and you? I rode the trike, and that was strange. Yeah, when I rode a trike, I I was very discombobulated by it I was like, it's oh, really odd but I mean it, you know, it takes you five minutes to adjust no really. you, put your, you put your knee out don't you and you, um, I you, use you kind of yeah sort of you have to lean basically yeah well what it does is it kind of like you turn to the left and your hips get sort of like pushed over to the right for some reason it kind of like it, it cuts you in half and yeah. sends, sends the, the lower half of your body in the wrong direction <laughs> I can't figure that out <laughs> but it's um, but actually they feel it's a totally different thing instead of kind of like riding a bike and you know bending into the 
corners a little bit inst- instinctively. You know, what you do is a kind of surf the road surface in a really quite a lovely way. So mm. yeah, they're di- mm. they are different, but they're. Um, I, th- they're I think the challenge with because uh, uh, I rode one of those from Islington to 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 the the James's brother's office actually in yeah. Limehouse and and um, London is full of it's getting better, but it's full of bollards and gates um, yeah. that are, we know because we've talked about it for, with Isabel from Wheels Wellbeing you know they are restrictive to people on adapted cycles and, yep. and, and things like that yep. and, and that that's includes you know this, the, the ones that we've seen all the kind of um, different types of two wheelers to four wheelers all these kind of bikes here and it, and it affects cargo trikes as well so yeah. if we're going to have a city that takes last mile cargo seriously then then um, we need to probably bash those bollards and and, and, and how much of your more. little trial ride was actually on just regular roads uh, it was all pretty much regular track. no it was all main roads it was all regular it's all actually in islington islington all out was was, was amazing it's like low traffic neighborhoods which which um you know are actually really well suited because they're normal roads and and you see quite a lot of uh, cargo there some of the cycle lanes is it CS1 that goes out to East London? I think it is. But that was a that was a that was like the first proper cycle lane that the London built. Yeah. And it it's aged really badly. Yeah. Like you know, you look at it and go, God, that that's, that's yeah. really bad. It's really narrow. Yeah. Basically, it's it's about wide enough for a cargo truck. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So no overtaking, no nothing. You know, yeah. curbs. Uh, it's got loads of adverse cambers as yeah, well. Yeah. Speed yeah. bumps. Quite technical. Not, not fun. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. uh, that's what got me, but but you know that's just personal preference. There'd be a lot. I'm a confident cyclist, and and yeah. riding a two wheeler's the best option for me. But there'd be people who are asked by their workplace to go and ride a bike to deliver some cakes, and yeah. the trike is probably a bit more safe for them, you yeah. know, because they they've got the they're not going to fall off it probably. Yeah. You know, although. In a trike in traffic, you're 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 not moving any faster than the traffic, are you? No, you can't, you can't overtake anything. Yeah. There's no nipping up the sides, around the corners, and like you do on a conventional two-wheeler bike. Yeah, and I so think that's why it's good to have uh, why it's good mix. to have choices. Can, yeah. can you um, can you what do you do your shopping like by bike? Do you, do yeah. you uh, on, yeah? Can you see yourself on a cargo bike in the future, or are you happy with your um, pannier racks and a loaf of bread and a you know, yeah, I, I, I am. I haven't got a big family to feed. They've all, yeah. they've all, uh, they've all buggered off and left home, <laughs> which is great. Um, so that might be a different proposition if I had to do sort of big family shops and all that sort of thing. I might, I might think about that. And also, I'm just holding the whole gear, um, sort of battery-assisted riding. I'm holding it in reserve for later on in life when I will embrace it okay. fully. But I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm raging against the fading of the light at the moment, yeah. and I shall, I shall carry on using my legs for mm. as long as my legs allow me Fair to. Days. And at the moment, my legs are allowing me to, to do that. So, yeah, you know, I rode a non-electric bike, and I say it like that because I only really ever ride electric bikes now. Yeah, because um, uh, I'm the opposite. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't cycle very much if I didn't have an e-bike because I, 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 I'm a sweaty person, right. basically. Yeah, and if I'm turning up for meetings and stuff like that, well, you got a proper you know, job there. Yeah, Adam, well, you? yeah. Doesn't, yeah. But, but you know, all of that stuff uh, aside, I, I rode to the station rode to Coventry station yesterday to come down here to, to London and uh, rode on a non-electric bike and how did that it, go the whole thing was a very stressful thing it was hot it was like yeah. 30 degrees I had a three speed hub gear and I, I'm normally 10 minutes early for my train and I, I, I arrived on the dot the train was late that's the only reason I got the train basically yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah and I was sweating buckets yeah and so so, so it's, yeah, I just can't see myself not riding an electric bike now. And you know what? Like, if, if that makes me ride rather than not riding at all, yeah, then that's probably a good thing, all, all things considered. You know, it's mad, though, because I've just come back from three weeks of staying in a hotel in Kent and commuting to commentate on the Tour de France for ITV, commentating um, sort of three miles to the studios and three miles back through country roads. And we were staying in the same hotel and working in the same studios for, for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the Tour de France as the ITV football team. Now, ah. so the ITV football production team was absolutely huge for the Euros compared to our I tiny bet. little. And what Do they was, get like big, like full English breakfast at the start and you get like a banana or something? Yeah, like it's well, the budget. Pretty, pretty much. Well, uh, put it this way. I said this in they another They've got a guy holding an umbrella and over but, them to get them cool. They're, they're, get this right. They're set, right? Just the, the desks and the seats in which the pundits sat, Right cost 
more than our entire production for the Tour de France for three weeks. Oh my God, wow. And quite significantly more as well. Anyway, that aside, just a little indication of the, the various statuses of the two sports, right? The entire production team, as I say, staying in the same hotel with the same commute every day and back, they were given, for the duration of their stay in the, in the hotel, they were all given high-end e-bikes. Oh, wow. Right, by, you know, to, to encourage them to maybe, I think I saw one being, so outside the hotel, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of these incredibly expensive e-bikes just sitting there all locked up, no one was using them, even though they'd been like, go on, use that. Yeah. It was unreal how, how oh hard gosh. it is to persuade non-scientists yeah, yeah, yeah. in inverted commas to embrace a new experience or to, or to kind of like, but uh, those lads who did actually decide to, to, to have a go, loved it. As soon you know. as you ride an e-bike, which is why, you know, getting people on e-cargo bikes is important at yeah. places like this is, you know, you get that, like people in the industry call it like an e-bike smile, basically, yep. and you, you, you get it. Yep. straight away yep. I love seeing the pictures every year you see when there's a football tournament of the, the Dutch football team who all cycle yep. to training and yep. that's, that's always uh, yep. always nice to see but um, yep. hey I bet the ITV football didn't have Alexi Sale on, on their uh, on their programme no though, yeah, so. he was brilliant there we go do you know what and a friend of the podcast friend, uh, well it all started with Laura, Laura, Laura yeah. actually Laura put me in contact with Alexi Alexi then guested on Streets Ahead yes um, then because we'd got on so well I said just speculatively I said to Alexi because he expressed such a, an affection for the Tour de France. I said, why don't you come down, like, to Maidstone? And I'd never thought he'd, like, ping straight back an email. I'd absolutely love to. Oh, and wow. then he turned up in, the, in the, what is ostensibly nothing more nor less than a car park with a porter cabin in, in Kent. And he got out of his car and he said, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. And he carried on like that. He was with us all day, did another podcast with us, made us laugh, kept us entertained. And then I, I was just tuning in last Sunday to randomly to Radio 4's broadcasting house on, on Sunday mornings and he was guesting on that and he managed to crowbar his visit down to oh wow he said I, I, I honestly I had the best day of my entire life he said wow <laughs> he's a super fan oh yeah. that's great but it all started great. with Street started ahead. yeah it all started and Laura's email um, Laura's Laura email. cannot be with us yeah, but uh, going to this live yeah. live well pre-recorded broadcast we're doing it live now aren't we yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Laura was going to be here she was going to ride cargo bikes with us and pinged. she got pinged yeah got pinged um, she was trying That's to be a good good citizen and and drop the leaflets yeah. drop leaflets about a community project she was working yeah. on with her, and she must have got talking to someone at the doorstep or something yeah and, but um, just going yeah. back to cargo bikes couple more thoughts you say well would you embrace them i've just thought actually so maidstone was where we were broadcasting yeah at the tour de france and that's a i don't know how far it is it's i'm gonna say it's about 35 40 miles from my house roughly and i i rode down there and i rode back yeah okay on so i rode back monday morning and um but because i was but and this is the stupid compromise thing because i was going there for a month i had a big suitcase full of clothes there you so go. ludicrously, a courier in a van had to take my suitcase oh my ahead of me, right, and dump me, dump it at the hotel while I cycled back. And the same on the return journey. If I'd had a cargo bike, yeah. I could have put my suitcase in the cargo bike and done both. And um, but then I thought, well, and then I felt really bad about it. like actually I've achieved nothing because my the suitcase had to, had to be taken it, yeah. down there anyway. But then I thought that's not totally true, is it? Because I got my bike and then I did all my all my travelling for three weeks yeah. in Maidstone by bike so I kind of like uh, you know whatever that's sort of like a you're sort of a, a, a very a budget Richard Branson really because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw but when he went to sp on his way to space he cycled it wasn't space Adam uh, well when he went to, to whatever the ozone yeah. he, uh, he, he he cycled there but he cycled through the desert flanked by uh, by two big Range Rovers oh yeah with their hazards that's brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant I did so see that with all this stuff in probably for space yeah it wasn't space. <laughs> okay, well. like, okay, if Richard Branson went to space, then yeah. that's a bit like saying, I've been to the M25, therefore I've been to London. <laughs> Reddies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all mad. Uh, that's another another episode, isn't it? But they're, yeah. they're all talking about, that. all the mil billionaires are talking about, now they've been up there. Yeah. That it suddenly occurred to them that, that we should look after our planet. And uh, old Jeff from, from Amazon has reportedly said that we should try and do all the pollution in space and keep Earth. Well, nice Jeff, and... just uh, my advice to Jeff, because I'm sure he listens to Streets Ahead. Yes, and he does. Is, is your, your space rocket that looks like a penis. Yeah. Park it, right? Stick it away. Never use it again, right? Yeah. And if you want to save the planet, maybe instead of investing your entire fleet of vans, yeah. right? Why not get cargo bikes, you total bellend? <laughs> I think I should... <laughs> 
I think I probably owe our podcast listeners a, an apology of sorts. It's uncharacteristic language for me to use. <laughs> um, and, and I don't think it's really in keeping with this laid-back style of Streets Ahead. So um, I hope no one was offended by my sudden anger about Jeff Bezos <laughs> and his um, a space program. And in fact, all the bit, I'm not singling him out for particular vilification, although I'd be quite happy to. Uh, it's all the billionaires who have had a space race recently. I cannot think of a more fatuous and wasteful uh, example of human endeavour and resources than those boys and their toys. And I wish them every failure with their future products. And uh, and as a result, I just think it's the worst thing. I don't know. Do you share my... Is it just me? Do you no, share it's. I mean, like, I don't know anything about, about the space race, but I do know about, um, you know, the general wastefulness of, of Amazon. And uh, yeah, it's, hmm. yeah, it's just not really what we should be wasting our money on yeah i'll just check uh amazon off our list of potential sponsors uh, <laughs> adam was that Sorry, you was that ever was that ever realistic <laughs> no no but it, it got it's in such dire straits we might might end up doing that thing where you say like buy you know buy something of amazon and we'll make 3p please that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's not that bad don't worry <laughs> yeah yeah so, Laura, I mean, what what did you sort of glean from our little our little um, chat about uh, about cargo bikes, uh, and what can you add add to the debate? I enjoy. I really enjoyed your chat. I liked. Uh, I liked. To, I liked hearing about Alexi and um, how much he enjoyed his Tour de France experience. That was just really sweet. He's honestly, he's just been he's just been raving about it. <laughs> That's really it's, nice. Um, we'll have to get him back on. I know yeah. he's a nice guy. Um, and pedal me. We all we all like them. I liked hearing about e-bikes. I'm a big e-bike fan as well. Uh, I've got one too. And what else did I think? The the one area I don't think we really touched on, Adam, that's been kind of bothering me slightly is, and maybe you've got some facts and figures or some theories at least at your fingertips, is is the kind of um, embedded carbon that comes with a, a, a mass-produced e-bike. You know, at what point in its life cycle does it start to pay itself back, the carbon debt it's been born with? Yeah, I don't have that. I don't have that information, and I didn't. I don't want to come across as flippant, but we should always put it into the kind of wider context of of an e bike battery is one five hundredths of a e car battery. So let's take some, you know, the the basic kind of division uh, of, of of that. It is a you know, is a drop in the ocean as in terms of the production. That's not to say we should ignore it, but in the list, like like with you know helmets being in the list of things that keep you safe, the list of things to focus on in terms of carbon intensive production. Not that we can't all make small improvements. Uh, you know, the cars that are being swapped every three years because of consumerism should probably be at the uh, a high part of that but there is a there is a a genuine thing that i've been thinking about from an industry point of view is the cycling industry has until recently been selling people bikes that eventually just end up in their sheds basically people just buy a bike ride it once get close past or don't think it's something they can do regularly and it, they just end up in their in their sheds, and and there was data recently that suggested there are you know nearly something like forty million bikes in sheds. So we need to um, you know obviously use these things, and I think e-cargo bikes combined with good infrastructure um, are at that level where they can and have to be part of your daily life, which I think is uh, which is a good thing. They can be genuine replacements for people's cars, and in even in suburbs or or for people who aren't quite ready for that yet, they could be, like for me, they could be a replacement for a second car, for example, or or things like that. So that's that's positive. But I don't have the answer on the, the figures. We should we should ask, but we should also, you know, put it into context. Uh, what, one of the, sorry, Laura, what, what were you going to add to that? I was, I was just thinking um, about what you said um, about the um, your Tour de France experience and uh, and the football people and giving them e bikes. Um, mm. Someone had given mm. them e bikes, but they but they didn't use them. It's quite interesting, isn't use, it? They didn't really use them. Yeah, no. you can kind of hand someone something, and then um, I thought for a minute there, Adam was um, offering to stand by people's uh, garden sheds and like get them to use their bikes that were in there, but I don't think there's enough Adams <laughs> going around. 
But yeah, it's I not mean, effective. There's, <laughs> obviously there's a huge potential for e-bikes, but yeah, it needs the infrastructure. I think there was a propensity to cycle tool, the analysis that showed that one in four commutes could be by bike if we had enough, if we had e-bikes and a decent network. I've been writing about e-bikes a bit actually recently. There's supposedly a an e-bike support program coming from the government and preceding that is a pilot in Cornwall where they're it's a part of the G7 legacy so there's supposed to be some sort of like try before you bike or have a go at e-bikes at like national trust properties or or holiday destinations but it's kind of slow to get off the ground I think there was going to be some big summer of cycling and walking announcement uh, at some point but it's looking like a kind of autumn announcement and I don't know how big it's going to be but yeah so I don't <laughs> the know medium well, not really summer, the, kind of, the medium autumn of cycling medium and walking. autumn exactly I don't <laughs> think it's really being treated with the kind of urgency because there's yeah yeah with the urgency it needs it's like this is going to happen at some point that Cornwall didn't have details when I asked them the council yeah but I spoke to I spoke to this really nice guy from Visit Cornwall who's um who's the tourism guy there and he was saying that his brother's got an e-bike and he lives outside of I think Truro and is cycling like four miles into town and back where he was driving before. So it's like even in kind of rural-ish areas, there's like a huge potential for them. But um, yeah, we're not really doing enough to kind of get people using them. Cornwall is a is a good place, right? It's a good place to start with with this. Yeah, well, Cornwall is great. So that's thanks to our sponsors, Visit Cornwall. But also, um, it is great because it's because it's hilly, and um, we we through my day job provided bikes specialized bikes for nhs gps uh, and uh, sport staff who would do home visits in in Truro, actually um which is which is great but the try before you buy thing is is really interesting because when you ride an e-bike and you haven't ridden an e-bike before you get what you get this kind of like e-bike smile that that you get because it like powers you forward and it feels great and that's what we should be bottling so and, and kind of selling um you know so i think that's it's good that they're doing trials um but they need to be you know they need to be widespread don't they rather than just one or two uh, at some point maybe uh in the future yeah. and we have to make these things more cost effective uh whether you make them cheaper whether you make them easily more you know easier to finance or whether you get a government grant because e-bikes are the only kind of ev that don't have a plug-in subsidy you know uh, like a a plug-in grant and and that seems weird actually um that that's the case Uh, and you need to be able to provide a place i think a lot of people pointed out when i shared stuff around e-cargo is rightly you need to be able to have the infrastructure not only to ride the things but store the things so whether that's uh residential lockers on streets whether that's you know specific stuff at train stations etc but we need to have places uh, to store these three thousand, four thousand pound machines because they can't sort of just be chained up against a tree. Yeah, I, I came away from our, our visit, Adam. Yeah, thinking why I'd love to have a cargo bike. Going back to cargo bikes, I'd love to have an e-cargo bike. That'd be great, great thing to have. I've actually got somewhere I could put it as well. I'm quite fortunate in that regard because they're big things. And then I thought I can't really justify it because I can't remember the last time I needed to move anything that heavy. Your fine of, stuff, your fine stuff. Uh, once yeah, you got I a just, cargo uh, yeah, bike. Yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah, be like, maybe. I need to. Uh, my my mate Dave says I need to uh, drop round an old wardrobe. Just endlessly like, volunteering to do things yeah, that you wouldn't otherwise your, do. You your neighbours will you be got like, anything, you "Got anything heavy that you want me Because I'd love to do. It. But um, uh, so I wasn't quite sure about that. But it did strike me that um, so I'm, I've probably spoken about this in the past. I'm a I'm a I'm a paid up member of Zipcar. Um, oh yeah, me too. In London, and you know, from time to time, I use it because it's incredibly uh, convenient and sometimes. But if there were a, if there were an e-cargo bike equivalent, because most of the time I, I use Zipcar, it's precisely to, you know, I've got to pick up something really heavy. I can't get on my bike in London. I would sign up to that. And if there was a kind of, if I could book one that lived down the end of the road, that how good would that be? That would be a really uh, handy solution, I think. And people would really learn to embrace that. Yeah. So that was one kind of real world potential. I wonder if any of the companies are working on that, the yeah. idea of sort of being able to book one on the end of your road. There is. Well, there's kind of e-mobility on, yeah. hubs, aren't there? Mm, there's e-mobility <laughs> hubs, but also at the that at the event that we were at, Ned, there was a um, there was a bike in the corner, and it had 
uh, Bell written on it, the bike share people, and they are doing a in in Hackney they're doing a an e cargo bike share trial. So you would be able to hire that bike uh, so by by exactly the hour, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly what I was just talking about. Yeah, and and I think that that can take off in a big way because it's um oh, I mean it's exciting. You don't need to have a e cargo bike all the time, probably. Yeah, um, unless it's your only bike, like mine. Well, actually, no, it's not my only bike. It's my main bike. But yeah, hiring one seems like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, if it's if it's coming to Hackney, it'll come to Lewisham in about ten years. Then. Oh, they're doing them in um, <laughs> they're doing them in Manchester as well. There's e mobility hubs in oh, Manchester, cool. so they're like cargo bikes. I think sometimes e bikes, sometimes e electric cars, and um, yeah, I think they've got huge potential because you don't need these things all the time. Unless mm, you're like mm. volunteering for your neighbours, yeah, it's kind of good shared mobility option. Sharing, it's the future. Sharing, yeah, yeah, less um, stuff sharing. as well, isn't yeah. it? Less stuff in the world, um, and that's uh, that's what we've all got to be sort of working towards. Another real world sort of problem with potentially quite a simple solution that might encourage people to take up this this form of um, logistics a bit more readily occurred to me as I was coming back from the Olympic Park. Because I was thinking, so one of the things that I do that I'm involved in is a startup company and we sell these big cycling books every year, these an- annuals. I'm showing you one now and it's a big hardback book. That's the road two- book. That's the road yeah. book. That's, it weighs that's huge. Book. I didn't realise it was it such is huge. an it's enormous about, thing. It's about a thousand pages long. Uh, you know, it's like this big almanac of, the, of a year of road racing. And, wow. and th- these are kind of really rather precious uh, and uh, expensive and heavy things right they they cost they um they weigh two kilograms and we send them we dispatch them out all across the world but i think something like 80 percent of our sales 75 80 percent are in the uk and i'm a bit sketchy on these details we're only a cottage industry but i'm not the guy who kind of signs the contract with the logistics company you know in the dispatch that someone else does that harry does that and i said to harry i said we need to be like at least in London where it's feasible and we sell a lot of books in London, we need to be dispatching these by bike. Uh, you know, it would it would please our clientele. It would be appropriate in every sense and we need, we need to do that. And he goes, yes, I completely agree. But we've signed a contract with a big national dispatch company to do all our dispatch for us and they don't offer that as a thing. But to my mind, they should. You know, it's not going to be possible in, in potentially in rural Worcestershire to get the book to Mrs. Mrs. Blogg's by bike but i'm damn sure that 50 percent of the books could be delivered by bike um and there should be you know there should be within these big freight companies there should be an option you know that you tick saying as a client as a client i want my stuff delivered by bike where possible and i want you to tell and i want you to tell me it's been done that way i'd pay a couple of quid extra for and 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 if it's a small premium on on top just to kind of incentivize the company then so be it because i think our clients would even buy into that you know we yeah. charge however much we charge package and posting if it may be 50p or a quid more they might even say yeah i'll do that that seems a right thing to do yeah they'd pay two quid more if you came and delivered it ned <laughs> well yeah no they were not I'm, I'm probably the opposite of that adam but i mean but i thought that was quite a i don't know if any you know again mm. it's just a facet of i don't even know which company delivers our stuff but that whoever they are they don't offer that as a, as an alternative and we are, we've signed a kind of multi-year contract with them so we're a bit we're a bit hamstrung and we didn't think have the vision to kind of approach this before but i think that would be a thing wouldn't it when we order stuff i guess from the food apps like just eat and deliver and all of those ones um you don't know and you can't choose and i'm not saying you should be able to necessarily but you don't know who's gonna turn up and buy what mode of transport basically and and again you know i've ordered stuff for work on deliveroo and and a guy in a car turns up and he's driven half a mile from you know whatever wagamama's and done it because we're in a conference meeting or something like that and you think well if i'd known that it's not part of the process you think about but if i'd known that i wouldn't have ordered it but if i could have made an option you know this is a short journey i want to make sure it's delivered by bike tick Mm. the box you know Mm. i think loads of people would tick that box and that would be you know the biggest increase that we heard from will norman at this event the biggest increase in in kind of traffic in london's roads is the light goods van delivering typically gig workers delivering stuff from uh from amazon 
until their their shares have rapidly dropped after Ned's expletive rant. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but you know, so I'm, that, I'm that the could, opposite that of an influencer. That's what I, I'm. Uh, the opposite of an influencer, the destroyer. I'm going to bring Amazon <laughs> down. Yeah, I, well, we've just solved the world there, haven't we? That seems like all that seems like a really obvious win for everybody, actually. Yeah, potentially, there must be companies doing that. I can't believe that there aren't. There is an account on Twitter. It's only small, but there's an account on Twitter, and and I'll try and dig it out and put it in the show notes. Um, that kind of collates all the independent traders and people that deliver by cargo bike. Uh, mm. or operate by cargo bike so if you are mm. in london um as an example you could make sure that your next plumber arrives by cargo bike for example mm. yeah there's a few mm. around my way actually because we're not too far from waltham forest so there's a few local businesses that have teamed up with local cargo bike companies and um i know a friend's also uh, in in the pandemic uh, got some beer delivered from a local brewery to our house thanks to that cargo bike yeah. pretty cool the other thing that I thought was a real positive that I took away from from um, the other day was the idea of, um, and we, we talked about it briefly, the idea of repurposing car parks in the city. Yeah. Uh, to, to an extent anyway, to be mm. these kind of um, depots where bulk stock is kept and then the, the, the cargo bikes to and fro, to and fro, to and fro all day doing short distances and smaller pickups, mm. which strikes me as a very sensible solution. But I, I wondered whether that could be, ex- I mean, that's kind of like, okay, so that's the city of London. Where else can you apply that kind of thing? And I, and I think actually, especially in London, I know we bore on about London all the time mm. here, but it is such a big, a big enterprise and it often can set the tone for how things might be unrolled, you know, uh, in the rest of the country. But London having, you know, having been grown up organically as this collection of small towns and villages that merge together, it does have these little centres, you know, yeah. all around it. And I think each of those potentially could like so just about a quarter of a mile from me just over there is a virtually empty eight-story multi-story car park and uh, it's just a waste of space now what i'm not suggesting is demolish it because that has a huge environmental cost that i'm only just learning about you know the embedded the embedded carbon within buildings you don't just tear them down lightly if you can adapt them and keep the structures and the walls then so much the better but you know surely some of that space could be given over to precisely that so lewisham has its own its own hub where all the big companies that have to run the white vans in and around Lewisham all day, they drop everything there and it, and then there's a little local network of bikes as well. That that strikes me as a dream scenario, a kind of utopia that probably won't happen, but... but no, you know, I think it will happen because it's just like... Uh, comment. I saw a DHL, as I mentioned, I saw a DHL employee, two, two on cargo bikes and I've seen a FedEx employee. They're, they're, they're starting to realise that this is... And the bottom line will talk at the end of the day. You know, you're in a you're in, you're in a routine and you do things the same way. But if you can genuinely be more efficient or save money, then then you know that's what influences businesses. They might do the right thing or want to do the right thing, but to really make a difference, you've got to make it more effective. And the thing about logistics is efficiency, and the thing that's least efficient is the last mile part of it so i think it will become and and car parks you know are often in central london certainly now are are, um are empty i know i know car parks in uh there's a car park in soho that's privately owned that's leasing its spaces out to a company who are building bike parking there secure bike parking because there's not enough secure bike parking in in soho so i think i think the uh the 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 writings on the wall in that in 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 that respect the, the the council's the challenge with councils is councils make money from parking and really, yes, you need to not just knock down buildings willy-nilly, but we should probably be building housing on multi-story car parks in, in London, at least. And then if there is, uh, if there's space left over or there's things that don't work for housing, then we should be thinking, you know, what what could we do with it? It's always better, like basement space, isn't there? And like car parking yeah, under new flats. Exactly. Petrol stations as well. That's another good one. Yeah. And if failing all that, we could have all night raves in car parks, which I think is a thing. I think I think my all night rave days are over the overnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There's some. There's some of my thoughts. Anyway, that's uh, that was my cargo bike considerations over the last couple of days. Yeah. Anything to add, Adam? No. All right. We're shaking it head. Unusually quiet today, Adam, and subdued. 
no, I've got I've got a call at five thirty and need to do another episode after this. I get I get it. All right, should we leave? Should we park our cargo bikes there for the week? Yeah. And um and Adam, if you you know suggest any other little days out that I can access and uh, arrange for lovely weather like it was the other day at the velodrome, that would be um, that'd be much appreciated. Hopefully, we'll be a trio next time. Yeah, yes. hopefully, Laura, we can actually meet in person again uh, this time when you're out of prison. And um, if listeners want to suggest places we go, we had a, we had an invite to Oxford the other day, which we'd uh, oh. we probably will do at some list, point. Yeah. So if you'd like us to come and visit you and see how good or bad the cycling infrastructure is, uh, amongst other things, if there's good coffee that will help, uh, then let us well, know. Well, I, I, did, uh, I had a, an idea just briefly before we wrap things up, Adam. I had a, a little idea that might appeal to you. <laughs> <laughs> didn't appeal to me but i was cycling back from i was cycling back where was i cycling back from the velodrome hernhill velodrome the other day through a part of uh, south london called east dulwich which is in the borough of lambeth i think and there are actually i couldn't see any but there are self-evidently quite a lot of ltns mm. in lambeth and um there is really quite an organized and well-backed campaign to have them scrapped and removed the dulwich in- alliance yeah, and 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 uh, certainly, I mean, street after street, almost every house was displaying a green sign oh, saying "stop, those. stop the road closures." Yeah. Now, uh, I was just quite struck by how like visible it was, and how quite mm. unanimous it seemed to be in terms of you know the numbers of people on the street who decided that was that was the hill they were prepared to at least stick a, a you know a green a green thing on. And I thought, in the interests of balance and fairness, we should probably have a listen to what they say. Mm. And then I thought I'll, I'll suggest Adam does <laughs> walk, Send up me out on my own. walk up and down the street with a microphone. But do you not think it would be kind yeah. of instructive to hear to hear some of these voices? Yeah, I think so. Why not? Yeah, I've cycled through there a few times, and I saw I saw one of those. I saw a guy with a van driving into a house, like a driveway. It was one of those, and I thought, oh, yeah. I think I think is yeah that area that's got Croxstead Road, which is a big through route from Croydon, mm. and I think traffic there is genuinely bad. Um, so mm. you really notice when the side roads are closed to through traffic. But yeah, I think it would be yeah. an interesting one, wouldn't it? Good idea. We'll have a little think. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah, as Adam says though, um, do you know if there's stuff that you want us to go and look at? We're, yeah, we're up, we're up for a day trip. Basically, that's yeah. all we're interested in. A little bit of fun. Yeah. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks, Laura. Thanks. Thank you. See you soon. Uh, you've been listening to Streets Ahead. Let us know what you think, as ever, at Pod Streets Ahead. Rate us and review us and share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.